0: daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and
1: inspired.
2: This is World Today.
1: Welcome to World Today, a news program with a different perspective. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. In this edition of the show, we discuss recent events in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Hamas and Israel have executed a brief truce of seven days. The much-needed window saw Hamas in Gaza released more than 100 hostages, most of them Israelis, in return for more than 200 Palestinians freed from prisons in Israel. However, the war has left hundreds of thousands of civilians either dead or displaced, and these horrors are continuing. Global powers have been trying to wield their influence over the conflict. As a rotating president of the UN Security Council for November, China held a high-level Security Council meeting on the Palestinian-Israeli crisis on November 29th. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi traveled to New York City to chair the meeting. Western powers like the US and the EU have sent their diplomats to Israel. So what is China's official position on the issue? Has the United States, arguably the nation with the most amount of influence over the issue, done enough? What needs to be done to get all sides to the negotiation table? For these questions and more, I'm joined by Dr. Li Pei Mei, Assistant Professor of Political Science at the International Islamic University in Malaysia, Dr. Guy Burton, Adjunct Professor at the Department of International Affairs, Vassilis College in Brussels, also Dr. Wang Jin, Associate Professor at Northwest University in Xi'an, China. Thank you all for joining me for this very important topic. Now, let me start with um, Dr. Wang Jin. So what message is China trying to send out by sending its foreign minister to Wang Yi, to UN, um, to sponsor this high-level meeting on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict? I
0: think China's message is very clear. That is, uh, On the one hand, uh, China hopes that the, 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 the conflict between Israelis and the Palestinians that has already dropped it uh, uh At the very early uh, lots of last months, should be uh, should be suspended or should come to the end, under the the, uh, the mediation and the assistance from international society. And then, on the other hand, of course, uh, that uh, the humanitarian uh, aid and humanitarian assistance from international society should be organized very uh, within the very very. Uh, uh, the, the, the capabilities of international society to the hands of the local Palestinian state. and then we cannot forget the very fundamental principle that the Palestinian and peace process should be restored immediately under the principle of two-state solution. So I think China's message from Wang Yi is very clear that China is willing to, together with the international society, to, uh, to continue to contribute our efforts, wisdom, as well as our energy uh, for the peace to come as early as possible between Israel and Palestinians and the suffering of the Palestinian people in the United States.
1: Mm. Now, Dr. Burton, uh, what's your take on this? What uh, do you read from China's message, you know, that China sent his foreign minister specifically to chair this meeting at the United Nations?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, to answer your question. So, yes, it is significant that they sent Wang Yi. I mean, I I suggest that this is uh, sending a message, message. It's very symbolic but at this stage, it's still primarily, uh, you know, rhetorical. Um, I mean, I'm I, saw, I read what uh, you know Wang Yi said, mm-hmm. um, sort of the five points. But really, I mean, we really need to see action rather than just words, because this has been going. You know, it's been it's been since October the seventh that the war started, and yes, we've had a week's truce, but the fighting has started again as of this morning. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, uh, Dr. Li, what is your um, reading of China sending its foreign minister to UN to sponsor this very high-level meeting on the conflict?
3: Yeah, for me personally, I believe it's the message of peace. Mm-hmm. Because if we look at the latest conflict, which started on seven October, uh, it has been more than a month right now. So we can see that many innocent lives were sacrificed, including many children and women. So I believe from the Chinese viewpoint. They think it is of utmost urgency. Uh, The conflict needs to come to an end before Mm. more lives are lost. So I suppose if the armed conflict continues, it's not only about Israel and Palestine, but it could also lead to regional war and actually destabilize the region. Mm. I believe that this is something a responsible power like China would not want to see. So. What, what is the message that China really wants to bring uh, to the international community is that uh, it's really important and crucial that we seek a permanent peace between Israel and Palestine. So it's not about ending the latest conflict, but it's more to ending uh, the conflict once and for all. Mm. So if you look at this high-level meeting, um, Foreign Minister Wang Yi also talked about the two-state solution, uh, which is seen as a solution to the decades long conflict. So um, this idea uh, is not new, Uh, it actually originated from the Oslo peace process, which happened in the 1990s, Mm. Uh, with the aim to actually establish one state for the Jewish people and another state for the Palestinian people, hoping that they could actually coexist peacefully. Um, But there was some progress made, but eventually the idea came to an end. So I think What um, Prime Minister Wang Yi is trying to do is try to revive the idea that, you know, two state solutions is feasible and we can actually drive this forward together.
1: Mm. Now, uh, Dr. Burton, earlier you said that, um, you know, at this moment, uh, what we really need is action. But uh, isn't, it, isn't it important that, you know, the, member, the, per, the members, especially the permanent members of the UN Security Council, first, you know, try to bridge the differences among themselves uh, to try to sit down together, try to find a solution on the issue?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, it is important that the, you know, the UN Security Council, where China's a, a permanent member, mm-hmm. you know, does have binding influence in all of this. But as, as it's been difficult to get any kind of agreement, you know, at the Security Council because of differences between countries. And so, look, even though the Security Council hasn't been able to pass a resolution, OK, until the November the 15th, right. what we, I mean, there is there is a general Uh, International consensus, you know, sort of frustration at all of this because we did have a resolution at the end of October, you know, at the UN General Assembly, not binding, admittedly, but you know, a majority of the world's countries, you know, want to see a ceasefire, want to see this fighting stop. So, you know, yes, it's important that the Security Council does this, but if it's not going to work, then we need to find other ways of making it work. So you've got the resolution at the UN General Assembly, and maybe it's up to countries themselves to start doing something.
1: Mm. Well, Dr. Burton, on that, why is it particularly hard to get everybody on board, you know, with certain uh, resolutions at the UN Security Council?
2: I mean, it, obviously, there's difficulties because you've got a split between the five permanent members. They are the, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, the five permanent members are the ones that have the veto, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Americans have long been, you know, behind or backed uh, Israel in, in its position. And, of course, you know, the Chinese and the Russians are a little bit more, you know, dissatisfied with that. So there is a split when it comes, especially to the language that was being put forward in, in several of the draft re- resolutions. And because of that, you know, you had uh, not just china this previous month but brazil uh, as the uh, security council president in the month of october you know, trying to finesse the language uh, that would enable it to pass through the Security Council. It's been incredibly frustrating. Mm. But, um, you know, this is, yeah, ultimately we, what we have right at the moment is a split in the Security Council between broadly and crudely sort of countries on the west on one side and and and, and non-western countries on the other. But this isn't new. This has been going on for a while now. I mm. mean, if you go back to the Arab uprisings and you look at, you know, sort of the the reaction to the Libyan uprising and then subsequently Syria and during the Civilian, Syrian Civil War, we've had real splits in the Security Council. So, it's not a new problem I think we need to find but different ways to make the international system work
1: it's exactly um, dr. Burton I mean uh, civilians are being um, you know killed during the fighting in Gaza and there's a lot of pressure on you know continued truce and ceasefire and eventually uh, going back to the negotiation table uh, these pressures come from a lot of countries I mean is it possible do you think still for the for the five per- permanent members of the UN Security Council to work with each other on this issue do they are will they be able to find a way
2: well, I mean, you know, there is a, this is this is this, this is this, 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 the the secret mm. of diplomacy, isn't it? You mm. know, you try and find a compromise that everyone can agree with. It's just proving very very difficult at the moment. But this is why I say, you know, look beyond the Security Council. We're looking at if you look at the General Assembly, we have the non-binding resolution that is calling for a ceasefire. That is, you know, there's a majority of world opinion there. That is, you know, that that has an idea of what it wants to, wants to be done. But yes, I mean, we are stuck with what we have right now. And I mean, we could talk about, you know, how do we reform the security Council? How do we reform the United Nations? But that's maybe a matter for another day. We just have to find a way to make things work.
1: Indeed. Now, Dr. Wang Jin, um, as a permanent member of the UN Security Council, uh, in reality, how big a difference will China's efforts, you know, such as ha- this high-level meeting, have uh, on this issue? Uh,
0: I think China, uh, let's be frank, on the one hand because the complexities of the issue is very, very uh, it's really very, very uh, complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's very difficult that if we see if only one country's contribution could change the whole situation uh, within a very short term. Uh, I think it's very unlikely to happen. But then we cannot give up. I mean, China, uh, on the one hand, we expressed it on many international occasions after this uh, round of the conflict dropped it earlier last month, that uh, the ceasefire is highly needed. Its national mm-hmm. assistance is very important. And also, as well, the confidence to end the war should be uh, stressed. And on the other hand, on many occasions, as we uh, just mentioned by Burton also, uh, that the international uh, society, especially on the platform, the United Nations Security Council, China contributed our own efforts through our status of the rotating chair of the United Nations Security Council to form the very important resolution over this round of the conflict. However is uh, it erupted lot, very early last the month so uh on many other occasions China stresses the very important to insist that the very for example a two state solution because uh two state solution has already been awakened mm-hmm. the, the 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 status of the two six solution has been weakened during the past uh, years by a uh, lot of western uh, analysts as well as by east uh the believe the, the, the that Palestine should not exist and should should be given up the rights of the nation state so I think that's why China's contributed a lot. And although we are not able to directly end the war within the very short term, but I think that this contribution should not be ignored because any hope, even mm. if it's very limited, it should be respected and it should be recognized. And this little hope would give, will lead to the future success of mm. the, the maybe the possible peace between Israel and Palestinians.
1: Mm. Now, Dr. Lee, let me go to you. Um, Countries like Malaysia and uh, several other countries in the ASEAN region certainly have their concerns about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict because uh, uh, there are countries within ASEAN that have a large uh, Islamic population. I mean, when we talk about, you know, the diplomatic efforts at the United Nations, uh, the UN Security Council, uh, what do these countries in Southeast Asia look for? What do they hope? Well, actually, our uh, ASEAN countries are very diverse. Mm. So we have um,
3: countries with very large Muslim population, like Malaysia, Indonesia. Mm. So, of course, for these countries, they will um, rally their support behind uh, Palestinian people. Mm. But for, uh, for example, for Singapore, they adopted a very different stance. Uh, for right. Singapore, they actually uh, directly condemned Hamas for its terror attacks. So, similarly, Philippines, Uh, They also uh, adopted a similar stance to uh, condemn Hamas. But for Malaysia and Indonesia, we are a uh, Muslim-majority country. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually share the concerns of the ordinary Palestinians. So we we recognize that uh, Palestinian people have the right to statehood. Mm -hmm. And therefore, both Malaysia and Indonesia, uh, we do not have diplomatic relations with Israel. So Mm -hmm. it means that, you know... um, Malaysian passport were not able to travel to Israel. So when the first, uh, when the conflict first broke out, uh, Malaysia was very critical of Israel. So Malaysia was against Israel's aggressions with the people of Gaza. Although, you know, uh, Israel repeatedly maintained that their action is self-defense, mm. but Malaysia, on the other side, we believe that Israel's aggressions were not proportionate nor lawful
2: mm. because
3: uh, if you look at the actions taken by Israel, it including uh, bombardment of residential areas and even uh, medical facilities, which Malaysia thinks is not—it's uh, already in violation of international law. Mm. So, and, and another thing is that Malaysia actually refused to brand Hamas as a terrorist organization, and because of this stance, we were questioned by the United States. There were pressure coming from the United States mm. um, to actually uh, ask us to categorize Hamas as a terrorist organization. So, But despite the pressure from the U.S., uh, Malaysia still stands in solidarity with the Palestinians and supports their right to statehood. And in fact, uh, we see that Malaysia, Indonesia, and Brunei, they jointly called for a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. And besides that, we also hope that sufficient and continuous humanitarian aid will reach the Palestinians. Because uh, as we know, uh, when the uh, conflict broke out, uh, basically, Israel cut off uh, entry of supplies to the Gaza.
1: Mm. So
3: many people are actually left with, uh, without uh, adequate food and also food.
1: Right. Well, you're listening to World Today. We're going to a short break. After we come back, we'll continue our discussion on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Mm-hmm.
2: As one of CGTN Radio's most popular programs, World Today
0: provides listeners with a strong mix of international news and business. It delivers in-depth analysis
2: of current affairs and one-on-one interviews, bringing you the stories behind the news, not just what's happening, but why.
1: Welcome back to World Today. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. We are having a panel discussion on the Palestinian Israeli conflict. Now, continue with our discussion. Um, Dr. Wang Jin, how do you comment on the situation on the ground in the past few days, especially uh, this seven day truce? I mean, what has laid the foundation for the truce to happen? Was the truce well executed?
0: Uh, I think that uh, that during the past days, a lot of things happened very Mm -hmm. suddenly. Uh, we we know that during the past days there was, as you mentioned, it's ac- actually the temporary ceasefire or part of the truth, between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And then this uh, this very short term uh, temporary truth comes as a result of uh, several factors. On the one hand, Israelis after they have already successfully occupied the northern Gaza, they have to reconsider what they should do next, uh, because inside Israel there were different opinions. Some believe that Israelis should continue their military actions uh, in the southern Gaza to totally and completely eliminate the presence of Hamas. And on the, and some other, uh, uh, especially the left-wing and the right-wing social groups, they mm. believe they, they should continue to maintain the peace with Hamas to, to, to find new solutions to, to, to rescue more uh, hostages taken by Hamas and the jihad in the Gaza Strip. So that is why they, they need a kind of a stop. And then from the perspective of Hamas, they suffered a lot, especially the local people in the Gaza Strip. They are facing the very disasters of humanitarian crisis. So, so that is why they also need to stop. And also International Society facilitates the dialogue, especially indirect dialogue between the two sides, to find this way to free the hostages taken by each other. So mm-hmm. that is why this very precondition uh, for the truth on the temporary ceasefire was established upon the precondition of that the both sides are agreed to set free some of the detainees or the, past or the hostages taken by each other. So, after their exchanges of the, the first uh, the, the several waves of the detainees, so after their listed, the very initial listed has been freed, their preconditions for the temporary ceasefire are now ended. So, mm-hmm. that is why the war comes back again. Uh, so, that is why I think in the future that the International Society's assistance should be come back, should come back again uh, urgently and also. The, the the negotiation channel between the two sides should be restored as soon as possible.
1: Mm. Dr. Burton, what's your take on this? I mean, how do you think the truth will influence, you know, the mindset of people uh, on the ground?
2: Well, I mean, obviously, it's come to an end. But I, mm. mean, I mean, it was a very practical uh, reason for it happening, right? I mean, mm. so the the intention was to uh, exchange, host- exchange the hostages from, from Gaza in exchange for Palestinian prisoners, and to allow some humanitarian aid in. I mean, the focus of it was incredibly narrow, and you know they've been extending what was initially a four-day. Truce to a week because uh, you know the Hamas was giving a list of you know potential hostages that uh, that they would release you know each of those days. Um, but at the same time, you know as you uh, as more hostages were given back, that meant all the the most obvious ones, you know women, children, the elderly uh, were were going back into Israel. That pretty much just left the men and those that would have been you know sort of military associated. Um, you know, in the hands of Hamas, and that was going to be a lot harder to be able to to release them, because of course the you know Hamas would want a, a lot more in exchange for that. Uh, so it's very difficult. I mean, you know, the, we it's, it was it's good that the truce happened, but now unfortunately we're back at square one. And I know there are efforts being made by the frontline states, you know, Qatar and Egypt, to try and you know reconstitute it, but mm. it's 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 very it's not not happening at the moment and then of course you know there's the bigger question i think you know lost in all of this is you know i guess people are looking for a truce a way to stop the fighting but then of course other things have to happen you know the wider discussion around a ceasefire a wider discussion around the whole peace process because you know what's kind of missing in all of this is you know what happens after after all of this after Mm -hmm. the fighting stops
1: Mm-hmm. Dr. Burton, do you think uh, regional countries like Qatar and also Egypt will continue you know, to play a very active role moving forward uh, in resolving the conflict? Will they be able to do that?
2: Well, yes, I mean, they're the one because they're pretty much the ones at, at, the, at the sharp end of it, right? I mean, Egypt is the one bordering Gaza. So it has a very important self-interest in, uh, you know, managing, you know, trying to maintain that there's not a lot of, a lot of Palestinians coming over to, to the Sinai. And then, of course, Qatar, you know, has uh, links with Hamas in a way that other countries don't. So that gives them a way into uh, being able to, to, to have played a role in all of this mediation. I think they're going to remain very important. And I think, Think, you know we will be looking I think what you're going to see as well is you're, you're going to see other countries who are wanting to connect and to talk to uh, Egypt and Qatar because these are the ones that are pretty much at the front line of trying to to, to reach a, a truce
1: mm. now the fighting has uh, has uh, begun again uh, dr Burton where can we start really to start the peace uh, the, the talk of uh, a real peace process as you mentioned
2: well it's very difficult I mean mm. you know I know that <sighs> I mean, the, the difficulty is of course you have uh, you know, an Israeli government that is you know v- very determined to uh, you know to exterminate hamas it's run by it's it's a very hard right government as well and it has wants to give no concessions at all to the palestinians um it's very hard to see you know how you you know pull them back from that um So, yes, I think it's very it's not it's not an easy uh, situation. And of course, you know, backing Israel is is, of course, you know, sort of the wider international community and consensus that says, you know, the right to self-defense. But I think we've seen over the last two months, they've been taking that somewhat to the extreme with some of the targeting that they've done, you know, sort of bombing uh, hospitals and, and residential areas. I mean, let's not forget what is at, you know, sort of at. At the base of all of this. So far, after nearly two months, we've had more than fifteen thousand killed, of which around forty percent are children. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whatever beef Israel and Hamas have with each other, do nearly seven thousand children have to die because of this? I cannot understand this. And eighty percent of Palestinians have been forced from their homes. I mean, this is shocking.
1: Mm, who can really give uh, you know, the real pressure to Israel? Dr. Burton. <sighs>
2: I mean, this is really this is really tough. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, you think I mean, when you obviously you would want, you know, Israel's friends and of course the Americans to, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to be clear on this. But I think, you know, Israel is recognized by a lot of countries around the world. And I think it's 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 a case that, you know, countries have to start. You know, putting pressure on Israel. I mean, you might say, well, what about the Palestinians as well? The problem is, of course, that, you know, the Palestinian Authority um, has got very little to say in all of this. I mean, so the real Palestinian, um, you know, antagonists in all of this are Hamas. So then, of course, you need to sort of talk to, you know, countries like Qatar or Malaysia, which have also hosted Hamas as well, Mm -hmm. you know, to get them to push. Uh, I I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if we want to see an end to the fighting, then people who have connections with, you know, both sides really need to make it clear that this is unacceptable.
1: Mm. Dr. Lee, we have uh, a minute before we go to another break, but uh, how do you respond to what um, uh, Dr. Burton has said? Yeah, I
3: think I agree that it would be difficult uh, to actually uh, find the permanent peace, but... But, I still think it is possible, especially uh getting these permanent permanent members to work together.
1: Mm-hmm. for
3: example with we, if we look at the previous uh, proposed resolutions, many uh, of them uh, were not passed because uh, of the veto right? Mm-hmm. But if we look at this first resolution, um I mean it's a major breakthrough uh with this uh, passing of this resolution. I mean, you do not need to have a resolution that needs the backing of all permanent members. As long as we get um, a resolution that that some of these permanent members Indeed. Um, may not mm. disagree, mm. so they would not cast a negative vote, then
1: it's right. good
3: enough for some progressive
1: leaders. i sorry I have to stop you there, Dr. Lee. but we're going to a short break. We we'll, we we'll come back, we'll continue our discussion on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict.
0: Welcome. I'm Ilav Elard, economics professor and member of the Data Science and AI Center at New York University, Shanghai. On the World Today program, you can find in-depth and impartial insight, as well as critical commentary on key trends in the Chinese economy, financial technology, business and blockchain. To prepare for the world tomorrow, join me on World Today.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. We're having a panel discussion on recent events in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. We have with us Dr. Li Pei Mei. She is Assistant Professor of Political Science at the International Islamic University, Malaysia. Dr. Guy Burton, Adjunct Professor at the Department of International Affairs, Vassalius College in Brussels. Also, we have Dr. Wang Jin, Associate Professor at Northwest University in Xi'an, China. Now to continue, let's take a look at the real global diplomacy surrounding this conflict. Let me start with Dr. Wang Jin. How do you comment on the role of the U.S. since the conflict broke out? Because um, U.S. is arguably, you know, the country was uh, the biggest influence over the issue. Um, and U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken traveled a few times uh, to the region Um I mean, has the U.S. government done enough? Where does this uh, conflict stand among the foreign policy priorities of the U.S. government?
0: I think the United States was in kind of a dilemma because uh, we know that uh, uh, a lot of the world countries and factors of the United Nations, as you mentioned, could influence uh, strongly over the actions of both israel Israeli and Palestinians, especially in, uh, over the Israeli's actions. But then we cannot forget that the... Uh, uh, that any kind of the foreign external influence should be turned uh, through the political political uh, system into the real actions of the certain country. So that is why although the United States uh, try to spread uh, on many occasions to, uh, to to hopefully influence the, action, the real acts of the Israeli government to, to, to suspend military actions or limit the military uh, action scale, but again, it, it, it never succeeds. And on the other hand, we know that the the uh, the United Nations, they hope uh, United States they hope to uh they hope to do a lot uh to, uh to to balance these ties with the Arab states, especially hope to regain this status, leading status in the match of the uh, many Arab states. But now, uh, given the fact that as many and many Arab states, and also Islamic states they believe that the United States should do more, uh they're in the match now in the in the in the trend in. So on the one hand, the United States they should keep the so-called unbroken allies with Israel. But on the other hand, uh, the United States, they hope to, uh, to, to to rebalance their ties with the Arab and Islamic States. So that's why most of the United States in a very it's, it's strategic dilemma after this round of the conflict in it had already found a lot of envoys and uh, arranged a lot of very very high-level meetings, mm-hmm. it's also including John Biden himself, with. South, the but uh, mm. this cannot change the, the problem, you know, that takes very long with
1: mm. Dr. Burton, what's your take on this? Um, and um, has the U.S. government done enough? Because uh, reports show, you know, that domestically uh, there is a pressure um, on the U.S. government to do enough, to do more.
2: Well, yes, but the thing is about the Americans is that, and this is a sort of a you know a consensus across the political system in in America that, uh, you know, there's I wouldn't say it's completely uncritical, but you know there's back you know support for Israel, and so you know it's very hard for you know to to have a dissenting voice in in the American political system. Um, you know, you kind of wish that they would do more, that they would sort of make it clear that, and I think also Blinken has pointed out he said I, I would like to see you know uh, if even as israel sort of you know resumes its fighting that it's going to you know um take care of civ- for civilians although i think there's you know that seems to be uh you know fanciful ultimately i mean you know there are points of leverage that the that the americans could use but the question is whether they're sort of willing to use them mm.
1: are they willing to do you think
2: i think it's very unlikely
1: mm now, Dr. Lee, uh, how do you think about, you know, the role by the United States? Because, um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Indonesia has a lot of concerns in this. And uh, the Indonesian president traveled to the White House uh, a few weeks ago to actually, you know, persuade the U.S. government to do more on this. Well,
3: I think, um, of course, in
1: terms of supporting
3: airline Israel,
2: mm. the U.S.
3: has done quite well in terms of that. But, um, but the U.S. Has, uh, disappointing, has disappointed Palestinians because I think Palestinians, they are hoping that the U.S. could play a role to de-escalate dis- to dis- the conflict. But instead of uh, de-escalating dis- the conflict, the U.S. actually uh, supports uh, Israel's right to defend. Uh, personally, I think there are many things that the U.S. has done to actually de-escalate dis- the conflict. One of that is to dissuade Israel from destroying the critical infrastructure of Gaza. Mm. For example, just now I mentioned about the health facilities. Um and this these these are the things that I think the US can actually do. And of course, um in terms of the supplies to Gaza, um, the US should have also should have also dissuaded Israel from cutting off the access uh to the people in Gaza. Because you see, um, many people have suffered because of this conflict that they are actually innocent uh, they have nothing to do with Hamas and their homes are actually destroyed. Uh, but in the end, they are the ones that have to uh, bear the consequences and, and it this causes a human, humanitarian crisis in, in, in that area. So if you ask me, I, I would say there are more things that the U.S. could have done. Mm. So if, if we look at, you know, uh, for example, the truth and then the release of hostages, well, some may say that the US is quite successful in terms of pushing for the release of hostages, but which is commendable. But again, if we look at the whole picture, who are the ones that are actually leading the mediation? It was the Qataris, right? Mm-hmm. So actually, the one that uh, uh, get this major breakthrough is actually the Qatar and also probably the Egypt.
1: Right. Regional powers did have, uh, you know, played uh, a lot of influence in this. Well, let's take a look at the powers within the European Union. Dr. Burton, uh, there are quite a few uh, members of the EU countries that are being active, uh, trying to do some mediation work, for example, France. I mean, um, who do you think among these really influential EU countries can play a role here and what should they
2: do? Well, of course, you've got to factor in the, that the European Union isn't uh, a single block. I mean, it's 27 mm-hmm. different countries, and then of course there are other institutions like, uh, you know, the the European Commission, uh, the bureaucracy of the European Union, which you know has its own, you know, sort of leader, um, you know, Ursula von der Leyen, who's had a particular position on all of this. So. You, you find I mean even at the top of the European Commission sort of differences between the president you know Ursula von der Leyen and you know the foreign affairs person you know borelis mm. so there's no general consensus you know within the European Union or amongst the European states as to how to to go about this and so and it, it's, in that respect it reflects something that I said earlier about you know the nature of the Euro- United Nations as well we talked a little bit about the split in the Security Council and the difficulty of getting a cons- you know sort of a common position uh, it's it's similar in the European Commission, and of course, you know, c- compounded by the fact that there is so many other things going on within the European Union amongst European countries, of which Ukraine is one example. So it's very difficult to get, you know, focus uh, on this Israel-Hamas war. Um, and in that sense, I think if you're not going to get consensus across all 27, then it might be just easier to sort of try and look at doing things either by yourself or in partnership with other like minded countries. I mean, we this is the system that we have. It's not ideal. It's not perfect. Um, You know, we just need to find new ways of working with it.
1: Mm. Well, then how do you think individual countries will will, should, um, you know, start doing their own work on this?
2: Well, obviously, so it's going to be quite difficult. So you have, for example, a country like Hungary, which has been very sympathetic towards the Israeli position. And I don't think that's going to... There's not much space for, you know, sort of taking into account the Palestinian concerns there. On the other hand, with France, you you have had... um, you know, Macron, He's, I believe he's going to be going to, to Qatar to, to talk to, you know, those who are involved in the mediation process, uh, you know, from, from, from the UAE where he, he is for the COP28 summit. Mm-hmm. But then also you've got talks from... Um, you know, from the French is just proposing that, you know, maybe we need to put sanctions on the table. And it's not just sanctioning Hamas commanders, uh, which was what they were talking about a few weeks earlier, but also sanctioning, you know, Israelis. those violent settlers in the West Bank who are mm-hmm. attacking Palestinians. Because, yes, a lot of the focus has been on Gaza, understandably. But what has also been happening is that there's, you know, the, that both, you know, the Isra- Israeli army and also um you know sort of israeli settlers in the west bank have been using this as an opportunity to to settle scores you know against palestinians there mm.
1: dr lee um for asean countries what have the ASEAN, what have the asean leaders been doing uh you know since the war uh broke out and what are they demanding dr lee well, basically
3: uh, mm. yeah basically i think they do not have a unified voice just mm. like what um happened in the un uh, we're also a very diverse uh bloc and when it comes to the issue of Israel and Palestinians, uh they are very divided. Like I've said earlier, um Singapore will be um condemning terrorist attacks, uh but for Malaysia and Indonesia we are more we're standing and rallying behind uh the Palestinian people. So uh for now I think probably some would say that oh uh, ASEAN can be seen as a state field. Uh, mm. Organization because we do not have a unified voice. But so I think in fact this is our uh, this is in fact the uniqueness of ASEAN mm. where we we respect the non-interference uh, in each other uh, affairs. Therefore, even though you know uh, Malaysia is a Muslim majority country, and we see how Singapore has condemned Hamas, but we did not respond to crit- uh, we did not criticize Singapore, for instance. Instead, we just respect it. Uh, We respect them. And similarly, like for Malaysia, where we refuse to actually categorize um, Hamas as a terrorist organization, the other uh, ASEAN members respect our stance.
0: Mm.
1: I think that
3: is um, the uniqueness of ASEAN.
1: Right. Well, you've been listening to uh, World Today on CDTN Radio. We're going to a short break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion.
0: Hello, my name is Alessandro Golombievsky Teixeira. I'm a professor of public policy and management at Tsinghua University in Beijing. I am a great listener of The World Today. In my opinion, The World Today is one of the best China radio programs. In The World Today, we can get the best news and analysis in what is happening now in the world. So please, come to join us.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Continue with our discussion, China released on Thursday its position paper on resolving the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. In the paper, China called for, quote-unquote, a more broad-based, authoritative, and also effective international peace conference led and organized by the UN be held as soon as possible. Now, first up, uh, let me go to Dr. Burton. What do you think of the idea and... um, Yeah, exactly. What do you think of the idea?
2: Well, I mean, the idea in principle, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, Mm. it's you know, it says very commonsensical things like you know, implement a comprehensive ceasefire and fighting, protect civilians effectively, ensure humanitarian assistance, ensure diplomatic mediation. But the question I've got is, you know, who are these people that are going to be engaged? Which parties? Uh, And when are we going to start doing this? Because who do you think should be engaged? If we Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But if we leave if we leave it at the international level, Mm. I I don't think much is going to happen. I think we need to start dealing with things on the ground. You know, we need to start dealing with the reality of the of the situation, which is that you have a very right wing Israeli government, Mm. um, which is very determined to continue with the fighting. Um, You've got a strong, you know, uh, position of of support uh, for to to exterminate Hamas, you know, in Israeli in the Israeli population uh, you know in Gaza itself you're dealing not just with Hamas but you're also dealing with splinter groups like the Islamic Jihad so you know yes Hamas has you know dominates the system there but they don't necessarily you know control everything and then of course you know the Palestinian authority who are supposed to be the part the party the Palestinian party to the peace process they're nowhere because they are they, they don't have any presence or influence in Gaza at all so if you want to you know mediate and negotiate with you know get the Palestinian Palestinian authority in involved you know how are you going to bring them into it so i think you know it's at it's at a high level it sounds fine but in in let's you know what does this actually mean in practice mm.
1: dr wanzin how do you explain that i mean uh what what is um basically what do you think china's idea is in terms of this uh, international peace conference on a much uh broad-based scale
0: yeah, i think uh, that's uh yeah, yes, that maybe uh, just from, yeah, from the virgin's uh, remark that every a lot of things should be done, mm-hmm. uh, not just by work, but by deeds. but i uh, but we have to uh, but I, I, I want to say that let's be frank China is uh, traditionally China was not a very, very closely related party or relevant party is the Palestinian issue, although China expressed a lot of opinions and concerns over what has uh, what has been happening uh, during the past decade. but China's role uh, is, now just growing uh, during the past year. So that is why in this round of the conflict, a lot of uh, the, the states hope to hear what, what China's voices are and what China would do uh, in the future over this, this Palestinian conflict. So that is why, uh, on one hand, China, on many occasions, as I have just repeated uh, many, uh, many times, that uh, China hopes to express our attitudes and our stances on many different occasions, and on the other hand, China, uh, we uh, we we through this kind of uh, this the doc political document, uh, uh, document, it expressed very clearly that uh, that our senses and our ideas are not only to end this round of the conflict, but also for the future peace process between Israelis and Palestinians. For example, we need think of the two-state solution, and uh, to stress the, the very highly uh, necessities of. Organizing humanitarian crisis, especially the reliable humanitarian uh, the, the the assistance to to for the local Palestinians people there. Mm-hmm. So that is why I think that is why we say this document is important, not for today, I mean, not for tomorrow, but I mean for the, maybe the next few years to encourage the confidence of the international society, also to encourage. The
1: peace process in the Palestinians. Hmm. Well, certainly, a lot of people are talking about the day after. Well, on multiple occasions, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi had said, "Israel has long been an independent state, and the Jewish people are no longer displaced. But the Palestinian people's right to statehood and their right to of return have been long." ignored which is the fundamental reason why Israel and Palestine have repeatedly found themselves entangled in turmoil. Dr. Burton, let's be honest. Um what are the ways to ensure the Palestinians' right to statehood and who do you think should be responsible for that?
2: Well, I mean to take your your first question, your last question first, who's responsible for it? Well, ultimately it's going to be the Israelis and the Palestinians, right? Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, the international community backs uh, the peace process, which is sort of the, the framework in which all of this is going to be done. And we, we already know the outlines, the, the outlines of what this is. It's going to be two states. It's going to be, you know, exchanges, exchange of land, you know, for peace between these two sides. So we know all of that. We know that it's got to be the Israelis and Palestinians that make peace. No one else can make peace for them. Uh, but what the international community can do is to support them. Now, whether you do that, you know, through an expanded, you know, international uh, peace conference, you know, with as with wider a, a number of ac- other actors as possible, or just you know sort of a couple of couple of agents like you know the quartet or the United States, then fine. But ultimately, it's going to be Israel and the Palestinians that do this. The problem, of course, is that you know I I refer back to the to the comment I made earlier that you have um it you really have an Israeli political. Uh, elite that's not really open to making concessions to the Palestinians. They weren't prepared to do it before October 7th, and they're certainly not prepared to do it now. Meanwhile, on the Palestinian side, you know, you've got this split. So you've got the Palestinian Authority, which is in control of the West Bank, and Hamas, which is in c- control of Gaza. Mm. And Hamas doesn't recognize the peace process. Uh, you know, the Palestinian. Authority is the party, the party and the partner to the peace process, but they've got nothing to say or nothing to do about about what's happening in Gaza at the moment.
1: Dr. Burton, about the political the right wing political force uh, in Israel that you mentioned, uh, what about the support they receive in Israeli society?
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, Israel's, Israel has been on a rightward tra- trajectory over the last 20 years. Um, you know, it, there is a very small, you know, very, mm-hmm. very small part of, of Israeli p- um, pol- politics that belongs to the left or the center. I mean, so you're dealing, it's very difficult because you're dealing with a very, very small peace camp um, and and they do not have a lot of support in Israel now. I mean, part of the problem is that for the last 20 years, you know, Israel has lived in this status quo of containing Gaza as kind of an open air prison you know of maintaining the, the the settlements in the West Bank and it's been very comfortable for them while all and Netanyahu the prime minister there has never wanted you know a, a settlement he always says that he doesn 't have a Palestinian partner for peace well he did he did he had the Palestinian authority but he mm-hmm. sidelined them so you know it's there, this is why, if you, if, yes, ultimately, an agreement can only be made by the Isra- Israel and the Palestinians. Then the question then becomes, well, what role, what responsibility does the international community have? Well, they can put pressure on those actors, on those mm. two actors. Um, and, of course, let's be honest, <laughs> this, is not, this is not a relationship that's equal. This is a relationship <laughs> in which Israel has all the power and the Palestinians don't. Mm. So, really, if you're going to try and you know, target your pressure points, you're going to try and target on Israel. It's difficult to do, though. Um, and, you know, it's, it's they're, you know, Israel's friends are finding it difficult. And so and there are a lot of people that out there that the Israelis are not happy with as well, you know, sort of. In the, and so it'd be very difficult to see, you know, how you put pressure on Israel for all of this, Dr. as well Burton, as, you know, the Palestinians.
1: Mm, Dr. Burton, uh, again, let's be honest. Who do you, which countries do, you, which governments do you think sh- should really do the hard part of the diplomacy here?
2: Well, I mean, mm. and I guess it's partly to do with what we're already seeing at the moment, right? So, you know, with the talks around the truce and the ceasefire obviously the Egyptians and the Qataris have been, you know, at the forefront of all of this, mm. um, you know, they're at the sharp ends. I mean, as, as, as i as I said earlier, you know, Hamas, you know, uh, Qatar has connections with Hamas, you know, Egypt has, you know, contacts with Israel because it's, you know, it's, it's has to sort of coordinate borders and all that sort of thing. You know, the Jordanians as well. Um, of course, the Americans on the side of, 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 of Israel, you know, the Europeans to some extent as well, because they've been major, uh, you know, players in providing humanitarian assistance in the past. But yeah Yes, there's a role for the Chinese as well. Mm. But I think the part of the problem for the Chinese is that they've never really been, you know, there's, there's always been a bit of a distance. I mean, you know, the Chinese, you know, mm. are committed to a Palestinian state and to the two-state solution, and they talk about it, the United Nations, but they're very li- limited in what they actually do in practice.
1: Mm. Dr. Wang Jing, how do we respond to that? And in your opinion, who should do the hard part of the diploma- diplomacy?
0: I think, of course, the United States should do more because uh, what uh, you, because the United States, uh, although there are a lot of uh, opinions that the United States may not transfer their influence into the real action of Israel, but the United States is the biggest and the strongest external actor of this round of the conflict. So that is why I think the United States should do more. And on the other hand, uh, if we look at what has been happening after this round of the conflict erupted, United States uh, is doing is not fair because they actually. Uh, uh, uh from their oral speaking they say okay they should become the balanced uh, uh they should play the very balanced uh role but then, what they are really doing is providing the the military assistance to the Israeli forces to to continue their military actions against the the targets in the Gaza Strip, and also they continue to defend the possession of Israel, uh with the so-called of the self-defense rights on many international arena, especially on the United Nations uh, Security Council. So that is why I think United States maybe they could transfer, or maybe maybe they could swift and change their stances over Israel, and then to facilitate. Them the the peace come as soon as possible.
1: Mm. Doctor Lee. Um, finally, to you, how what do you think um about this issue? About you know the the roles that relevant powers should play in this. Well, I think um, I think if the United States are
3: going to play more role in it, uh, mm-hmm. the Palestinian might be very critical of them because if you look back in the past, um, there has been proposal, for example, by Trump for a peace. Mm. uh between Palestinian and also Israeli but the point is um you know uh Trump has had been very um in favor of Israel so the peace plan was basically rejected by the Palestinian Authority because basically um the terms uh inside the peace plan favors Israel more than Palestinian and when they actually have this peace plan they did not actually consult with the Palestinian Authority so in a way, if this time around, um, the U.S. is going to play a role in this and a major role, I think the Palestinians will be critical and it will be very difficult to get, um, the proposed solution forward. Mm. So probably I, I think, um, like what, uh, Dr. Burton has suggested, probably, um, you know, like Qatari and some, uh, other states which has connection with Israel and Palestinians uh, other than the United States could play uh, some role in driving forward the uh, lasting solution
1: mm. Dr. Lee, on that do you think the u s government is aware you know of the expectations of the international community on them to you know to play a bigger role in this, and you know do the international opinion on this issue really matter for them?
3: Well of course, I think they are aware of that one, but mm. again um I mean you they can see the process all around, all around the world you know, which is um supporting uh the end of the uh hostilities, right? But yet they still continue to support uh Israel so the because Israel um is traditionally their ally. So I think um they are aware but yet um they are also, you know, uh we understand the Jewish community has a great influence in American society mm. and the the United States, uh basically they also have to, you know, Kind of um, serve the interests of this uh, um, Jewish community back in the United States. So, despite you know knowing that um, the international community wanted uh, the end to the fighting, uh, the United States um, mm. chose not to actually facilitate this from happening as mm-hmm. of now. But but I think you know as as more and more countries uh, push and urge um, you know uh, the end of the fighting probably there might be a change uh, in the position by the United States. And in fact, now they are talking about, you know, trying to promote this two-state solution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of this, this is what the two-state solution is one of the common ground that all that five permanent members agree on. And so I think this could form the basis of the negotiation.
1: Mm-hmm. So, But
3: how this two-state solution is going to, you know, turn out to be, um, yeah, we don't know. In what form, but I think this is a good starting point. Uh, but ultimately, I I agree with what Dr. Burden said just now. Um, in order to get this two state solution forward, first of all, they have to uh, solve the division within Palestine. So there is like you know, uh, of course, the Palestinian Authority might agree with this two state solution, but Hamas would not agree. Instead, they mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is to get Jewish out of the land. Mm. So I think they they have to stop this
1: first um, and before they can talk about any meaningful two state solution mm. dr. Burton, briefly, um what do you think will push both sides to sit down and really talk in the end? Do we have the hope for that
2: i I don't see it at the moment, I think you know mm. the focus is just going back to the fighting right now, isn't it i mean we've taught i mean it and I think it's important to think, you know, for mm. diplomats and those involved, you know, what happens the day after. But, you know, right now, I think just trying to stop the fighting to get, you know, sort of a holding ceasefire, it's, it's, oh. is, is is key. I mean, it's very difficult, though, of course, because you've got, you know, both sides have become more and more entrenched into into what what they're doing. I mean, the Israelis are now determined to root out Hamas. Um, whereas, you know, Hamas, how it still hold hostages and i think it's going to be very and so that's going to be kind of the sort of the what what people are going to focus on going forward it's it's very hard for those who want you know mm. to see you know a peace settlement to see some kind of resolution to see even scope for negotiations it just seems so far away at the moment
1: mm. Well, thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of World Today. Again, I want to thank our guests, Dr. Li Pei Mei at the International Islamic University in Malaysia, Dr. Guy Burton, Vasilis College in Brussels and Dr. Wang Jin, Associate Professor at Northwest University in Xi'an, China. If you want to catch up with more of our discussions, you can find our podcast by searching World Today. You can also follow us on the X platform at CGTN Radio. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Thank you for staying with us. Bye for now.